What's up, world? Welcome to another episode of the RJO Show. I am very excited to be here, and I hope that you are too. It's June, which means that we are one month closer to football, and therefore one month closer to ultimate happiness and pure bliss. And uh, appreciate everybody checking out the show last week. It was a fun interview with Christopher Harris, uh, picking his brain in terms of fantasy football and getting some tips and tricks and and thoughts on different strategies and projections and and whatever. If you haven't listened, go check it out. I promise you'll enjoy it. Uh, Harris is a really cool and unique mind. And uh, thanks again to him for taking the time to join us. Today, we'll be joined by Nick Cacciaro, who is a contributor to InsideTheStar.com, where I'm a staff writer, and Nick actually works in media relations for a professional sports team. Um, So Nick has some interesting insights, and we'll be debuting a new game called Nothing But Net, but we'll get to that later. Right now, I want to get into the NFL news, and I know that I said that we're one month closer to ultimate happiness in terms of the NFL returning, but uh, we're already back to being a little bit happy because... Peter Schrager of FoxSports.com dropped some news on Tuesday that I think made everybody smile, and that's, uh, well, I mean, the Pro Bowl is is something that I think we all enjoy. You know, we all enjoy having it on. It's like, you know, the sixth season of Friends. Uh, We can get things done while it's on in the background, but still, it's it's, uh, pleasing to the eye and something we like having and just seeing and enjoying at that time of year. And uh, the Pro Bowl is going to be moving to Orlando, Florida. Uh, the Pro Bowl has typically been held in Honolulu, Hawaii at Aloha Stadium. They've experimented um, with it, having it in Miami, having it in Arizona. And it seems that it's headed to Orlando for a, a little bit of a permanent home right now. It's going to be a multi-year deal um, to have the Pro Bowl in Central Florida so I don't know if that incentivizes players to come to it any any more than it already did, because if it's me, I'd rather go to Hawaii for a week. I think what they really need to do is move the Pro Bowl back to the week after the Super Bowl. I think that's what we all want. Um, but, you know, ultimately, it's still going to be the week before the Super Bowl, which whatever we got, you know, our next wish, which is what I'm about to tell you. And that's that the Team Irvin, Team Rice, Team Carter, Team Dion, all that junk is gone. The NFL... I applaud them for looking at how they could be innovative with the Pro Bowl and find a new way to bring some excitement to it, but it didn't work. It was a a massive failure. People hated it. And so Peter Schrager is reporting that it's going to be returning to the classic AFC-NFC format. So good news for for fans of the Pro Bowl, um, which is not... Uh, Tyler Eifert right now, who suffered an injury at last year's Pro Bowl and is now hurt as a result of it. But moving on, this is something that I actually got into with a couple people on Twitter right after I posted the show last week. And, um, you know, we all know about Ryan Fitzpatrick and his contract situation, and we'll get into that in a minute. But Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall were absent from the New York Jets uh, OTAs last week. Now, Brandon Marshall's absence wasn't ever really explained, but to be fair, these are voluntary workouts, so it's not necessarily required that he be there. But Eric Decker was, according to you know a lot of reports, absent sort of in protest on behalf of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Er, you know, Decker's point is, I, you know, we want Ryan Fitzpatrick here, get him here. Um, so he was abstaining from OTAs. Um, as a sign of support for his teammate. Now, like I said, I got into this on Twitter, and a lot of people think that, well, Decker's hurting the rest of the team. Uh, he's being a baby. He's complaining. He's getting paid. He should go out there and do it. And look, I'm not saying that this is the smartest decision that Eric Decker has ever made in his life, because if Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the quarterback for the New York Jets in 2016, he's going to look like a fool. I think we all agree with that. 
What I do think is cool is that Eric Decker is standing up for his teammates, standing up for his quarterback. I love to see that in a wide receiver. Uh, I, I've talked about before, I hate when people make fun of the T.O. crying for Romo video because that's what you want. You like That's why people love Des Bryant because he's willing to die for Tony Romo. And I'm not saying that Decker missing OTAs is being willing to die, but still, I, I, I like and I applaud the, the support that he's supporting, you know, so giving to his quarterback. So kudos to you, Eric Decker. Um, but moving on to Ryan Fitzpatrick, like we said, there is some spice now to this story because according to Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, there's a lot of word on the streets that people fear and people close to the New York Jets organization, obviously, that Ryan Fitzpatrick could sign elsewhere for less money simply on principle, simply out of pride almost in terms of you guys lowballed me and I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'd rather go play for someone else even though I get paid less because I know that they value me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the reason Fitzpatrick feels this way is because the Jets have sort of leaked out the contract that they have on the table for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And it's a three-year, $24 million deal that actually includes $12 million this year in 2016. And, I mean, hey, if the Jets offered me to go play quarterback, I think I would take that deal, and I'd probably be better than the alternatives that they have. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, whether you think he's great or not, is coming off of a pretty good year. And that offer, while, you know, great uh, to you and I, um, is sort of below market for a starting quarterback in the NFL. So Ryan Fitzpatrick feels that he's worth, worth more. He's not pleased that the Jets are putting that word out. And so he uh, he might thumb his nose up at them and move on. Uh, but, you know, we got to move on because there's a lot to get to. Deion Jordan, who you might remember uh, from the 2013 NFL draft, he was the third overall pick that year. The Miami Dolphins traded up to acquire his services. Uh, he was a pass rusher who a lot of people really loved. He was supposed to be a really versatile player. Um, but, he, and you know, he was healthy. He appeared in all 16 games for the Dolphins that season and only managed to get two sacks, which isn't that impressive. But to be fair, rookie pass rushers don't typically, you know, make a big splash in their first season. Jordan responded in 2014 by pulling up one sack in 10 games. And he only played in 10 games, not because he was injured, but because he was suspended indefinitely uh, during December of 2014. And the reason he was suspended was because he failed a drug test. And what he did really, really terribly wrong in his drug test was he provided a diluted sample. And that's a really big no-no in the NFL. And so beyond being suspended indefinitely, he was actually given a full year suspension, which was the 2015 season. So Jordan is now applying for reinstatement. He wants to be back in the NFL. He wants a chance to live out his dream. And when asked about this, when, when you know, somebody asked him, said, hey, you know, Dion, what do you think about potentially getting back in the NFL? He said, quote, I'm not about to waste it. I can't waste it. And I bleeping love doing it. Who doesn't love running out in front of 30,000 plus fans and you get that rush, end quote. That's cool. You know, I don't I don't mind Dion Jordan being excited. And you know, I think it's it's awesome. Good for him. But the part that I found really interesting about this was he said 30,000 plus fans. Okay, Dion, that seems like a large number, but Sun Life Stadium, where the Miami Dolphins play, can seat over 76,000 people. So I don't know where he pulled this 30,000 number from, but he's, you know, if anyone's lowballing somebody here, it's not the New York Jets and Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's Dion Jordan to his home stadium. Uh, but whatever. Walter Thurmond 
is retiring. Uh, Walter Thurman is a corner who has only who's only 28 years old. He's had six seasons in the, in the NFL uh, with the Seattle Seahawks for four of them, the New York Giants in 2014, and most recently the Philadelphia Eagles in 2015. Uh, he's had a lot of injuries in his career. In fact, he played 16 games last season with the Eagles, and that was the first time in his career that that happened. Uh, he was a member of the 2013 world champion Seattle Seahawks, uh, but he's been contemplating retirement for a long time. And, and as the old saying goes, once you're thinking about retirement, you're already retired. Ian Rappaport had reported during March that Thurman had offers on the table that exceeded $4 million per year. And so you know, there were people interested. It wasn't. This isn't a situation where Walter Thurman was washed up and worth nothing, and nobody wanted anything to do with him. So they, you know, whatever. No, Walter Thurman had plenty of offers to play in the NFL. Uh, you know, certainly with the Eagles, played very well with them last season. Uh, but he's just he's had enough. And Mike Robinson, who uh, you know you might know from the NFL Network, he said on Tuesday's episode of NFL Total Access, you know, because he's very close with all the, the Seahawks due to his time there. He was on that that Super Bowl team as well. He said that Walter Thurman also has a deep passion for filmmaking. He's a producer and a director. He's already put together some documentaries, and so he's going to pursue that career and that line of work. So good luck to Walter Thurman. Thanks for everything you did for the NFL. Congratulations on winning a Super Bowl. And uh, good luck to you, brother. So this isn't really news, but it's something that I just want to mention real quickly because it's been bothering me since Tuesday. It's actually been bothering me for a while. But so you know how during practices or training camps, the quarterback wears a red jersey, right? Because so that nobody touches him. Or if the, the team has red in their uniform, he wears an alternative color. Like the Chiefs, Alex Smith wears a yellow jersey. It's, you know, they wear something to distinguish them from the rest of the team. So everybody knows, like, hey, don't hit the quarterback. Well, I was noticing, and I looked around, I, I checked through all the teams, and the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers don't do this. The quarterbacks wear the same color jersey as the rest of the offensive players, and I don't understand it, and I really want to know. It's bothering me. I've tweeted at Steelers PR people. I tweeted at Gil Brandt, who I thought would know. I tweeted at, uh, if you're a fan of at UniWatch on Twitter, they know everything about uniforms. Nobody knows. It's a mystery to me, and I, I really want to know. So if you have any information on that, please let me know because it's driving me crazy. Um, but while we're on the subject of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Ron Leary, who's one of their guards, uh, he wants to be traded, and you know I, I don't really blame the guy. He's uh, he's probably the sixth most valuable offensive lineman for the Dallas Cowboys right now, and he's not a starter. Leary was the starting left guard a year ago and two years ago during Demarco Murray's magical season. But when Lyle Collins fell in the laps of the Dallas Cowboys a year ago, Ron Leary was just the odd man out, and and Lyle has a brighter future. There's no denying that, and. I'll give Ron Larry credit in that he soldiered on throughout 2015. He hasn't been uh, rude about this. He just wants to be traded. I talked about this on Cowboys Cast with Bobby Belt last week. You should go check that out. Give it a listen. We we dove into the subject deeply. And I also wrote about this on InsideTheStar.com. I wrote about the last time a player requested to be traded from the Cowboys, what happened, just so we could see the patterns and the behaviors of the front office. It was Mike Jenkins in 2012. But go check that out so you can see how uh, the front office Office responded, and I also wrote about the last time, the the last few times actually, where the Cowboys traded away some players because it's not something that happens very often. They actually trade four players more often than they trade away over the last few seasons. But yeah, I mean, so we'll see what happens with Ron Leary, whether he gets traded or not. Personally, I don't think so. And on the subject of whether he's 
being a baby or complaining or whatever. You know, I know we talked about this with, with Eric Decker a little bit uh, in the open, but I don't think that Ron Leary is being totally unreasonable here. I think the little Twitter rant he went on a few weeks, months ago was a little bit uncalled for. I think we can all agree with that. But it's understandable that he wants to go somewhere to play now and get paid, and he this is the last year of his contract. So I get that, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that. We'll have you covered here on the RJO Show and at InsideTheStar.com uh, pertaining to everything Dallas Cowboys and obviously Ron Leary. Moving on, the Dallas Cowboys are in a bit of trouble because their third-round selection in the 2016 NFL Draft, Malik Collins, the defensive tackle, it was announced on Wednesday that he had surgery to fix a fractured fifth metatarsal in his right foot, and Malik is expected to miss 10 to 12 weeks. This is the same injury that Des Bryant had, and I know you thought that because you heard the word metatarsal and immediately got scared, and you should be. I'm usually uh, an optimist. You can ask anyone who knows me. I'm always looking for the bright side of things, but I have a bad feeling about this. And I have a bad feeling about this because it could, it puts the whole Cowboys draft strategy I don't want to necessarily say into question because hindsight is always twenty twenty. But you look at the Cowboys, you know, first three rounds. You got Ezekiel Elliott, who we all agree is a slam dunk. I know we talked about that with Christopher Harris last week. Your second round pick, you got Jalen Smith, who's not playing in 2016. I, I firmly believe that. And now your third round selection, Malik Collins, he's going to miss some serious time. You know, they're saying 10 to 12 weeks, but this is not going to be 10 to 12 weeks. We saw how Des Bryant played a year ago when the Cowboys rushed him back. And Malik Collins is a heavier player. He plays a position where the first step off the line is so important. I mean, I don't see it being a 10 to 12 week thing. I think that he'll miss some time to start the season. So now your third round selection is missing time. So in your first three rounds, the only player who's contributing to begin your season is Ezekiel Elliott. So you move on your fourth round, you got Charles Tapper, the defensive end. Cool. That's awesome. You're going to need him because you're already down Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence anyway, who's also broken his foot, by the way, for the Dallas Cowboys. And you got Dak Prescott, who's hopefully not going to contribute. So your primary rookie uh, defender is Charles Tapper. So I think the Cowboys are in trouble here. We'll be sure to keep you updated on that. Right now, I want to go ahead and bring Nick in. Nick Cacciaro is a contributor to InsideTheStar.com, and like I said, works in media relations for a professional sports team, so he knows what he's talking about. Nick works on the East Coast in the New York market, and I think he's perfect to talk about Eli Manning, who I believe that we undervalue as a football society. So we're going to prove that with a new game called Nothing But Net here on the RJO Show right after the break. Cowboys Nation, how you doing? I know that you're looking for some great Dallas Cowboys content, and I know that you want to check out InsideTheStar.com. You know that I'm a staff writer there, and you know that I'm great pals with all of my fellow great writers there. What you need to know is that every single day of the year, we're working very hard to make sure that you, the fans, get the Dallas Cowboys content that you deserve. Head on over to InsideTheStar.com today and see for yourself. If you want, you can check us out on Twitter and tell us what you want us to write about, at InsideTheStarDC. Check us out. Let us know what you think. Now let's get to the interview with Nick Cacciaro here on the RJO Show. Welcome to the RJO Show. A good friend of mine, and a few weeks back, probably a few months back, 
Uh, it's been so long. You guys heard Lucky Whitehead here on the RGO show. And we're bringing in the man who actually helped me land Lucky on the show. It's a, a hidden story, a Twitter story, a good one. Uh, one of my good friends, a contributor to InsideTheStar.com, and somebody who knows a lot about sport, uh, a lot about sports. Excuse me, considering that he works in media relations for a professional sports team. My good friend Nick Cacciaro. What's going on, Nick? RJ, what's going on? I am thrilled to have you here. I was so bummed that you couldn't be here uh, when Lucky was here to hear us talk about Popeyes and all that. But oh, wish. Yeah, you people, you are the hero with that. You Lucky one day was just, he was like, let's do a Twitter Q&A, and you just bombarded him. You were like, will you come on the RJO show? And it worked out. It was yeah, pretty we cool. Had, we, had, we had to make it happen. It was just like a perfect marriage there that needed to happen. It was really, really cool. Um, and, you know, a pretty savvy move on your part, because like I said, you, you know a thing or two about media relations with a professional sports team. And I will say that I am now a fan of that team. You converted me just... You know, in, in that's in, what I'm here for. In being friends with you, uh, actually, I'm gonna, we're in being brothers, Nick. We were, we're we're meant to be brothers, and I'm excited. <laughs> I think that that this is something that was meant to happen with or without Lucky Whitehead. We'll just bring him back to join us next time. Yeah, I, I think I'm a hundred percent on board. Yeah, but I, uh, I think we're meant to like meet him in person. If you ask me, but I, I think so. Have I mean, have you had Popeyes? Because you um, are based on the East Coast. Do they have? Yes. Do they have Popeyes there? Popeyes. It's not very accessible here, but we do have it, and I have had it, and I am a fan. Wow. Um, Question. Do you eat – because when I go to Popeyes, I don't get like – and I know this is shocking to people, but I don't get like like legs or like wings. Like I prefer the chicken tenders. Oh, my God. So do I. Exactly. We're meant to be brothers, Nick. Right? This is uh, – Chicken tenders, some fries, and a biscuit, and I am set. Okay, but this this is the thing here. Do you eat them with ketchup or with ranch dressing? I eat them with ketchup. I think I go ketchup most of the time, but it, there are moods I have where I feel like ranch okay. dressing. But it's got to be the right ranch dressing because sometimes, like, I hate the buttermilk ranch. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. I am a strictly ketchup guy. Sometimes I'll, I'll venture into barbecue sauce, but that's usually with, like, grilled chicken only. Mm, I'm okay with this. I'm cool. Um, yeah. So you're obviously a contributor for InsideTheStar.com, and I think the Twitterverse knows you best uh, from your tragic crush that you had on patrick robinson yes and, and how that went down are you still in mourning because you know because of what happened with him defecting to the indianapolis colts i am i am still in mourning mm-hmm. though the draft you know kind of eased the pain a little bit but i am still in mourning about him i was also very big on lamar miller as well that that was the first crushing blow mm-hmm. but you know zeke obviously makes me feel a lot better about that but um yeah, I really, really like Patrick Robinson. I'm not going to lie. So much so that I even like found his manager, DM'd his manager. We had a conversation. I went, I, went, I went above and beyond for it, but we'll see what happens where he's at now. Well, you're an above and beyond kind of guy, and I yes. think that's really obvious from your Twitter avatar because you're wearing a Pharrell hat in it. Yes, I'm an above and above. You know, you got to be that way. It's sometimes you got to take it to that next level. You know? what, what's your favorite Pharrell song while we're, we're on the t- topic? Mm-hmm. I'd have to go. Oh, this is tough. I feel like Pharrell's more of a features kind of guy. So, like when mm. you get Pharrell in a feature, like beautiful, it's, it's just gotta be up there. If we're going modern fair, um, Pharrell, I really like the song Marilyn Monroe, which is kind of like a people don't really know it, but it's a good song. Wow, I didn't know that you were that big of a Pharrell fan to know like his entire. 
See, here's something that few people know about me. I actually, my Twitter actually started as a music blogger Twitter. I did know that. Yeah. Did you know that? You told us. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yes, it's very, very. Not many people know it. This is kind of exclusive information here. So. Well, that's what the RJO show is about, Nick. Yeah, it's breaking news. So, well, um, I don't know what it's called. I, th- I want to say it's called Hunter, but I know that my favorite yes. Pharrell song was in the Entourage movie. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking okay, about. It's a yeah. very good song, yeah. Yeah, I like that one. I'm so glad that neither one of us mentioned Happy. That, ma- that actually, yeah. like, ironically makes me happy. I, I, it, I, that is what makes me happy is not liking the song Happy. So in a way, he did a good job with that song, I guess. Agreed. Now, so something that makes you happy is something that actually makes the – large contingency of Cowboys Nation unhappy, and that's the prospect of J.J. Wilcox having a serious role in 2016. And, you know, before we get to the game that we're going to you know, play here on the RGO show, I kind of want to give you the floor because you're, uh, you're an outlier kind of guy. That's how you roll. And mm-hmm. so J.J. Wilcox is no exception to that. So, Nick, you know, go for it. Tell Cowboys Nation, tell the world why the Dallas Cowboys should be excited about J.J. Wilcox as a legitimate starting safety in 2016. Okay. Okay. Well, this was something um, I was actually planning on whenever I get some time because I've been extremely busy lately with this job. But uh, I wanted to pen this article as mm-hmm. my big comeback because it is something that is very different and I feel like is going to make a lot of people mad, which I will say I wrote an article about Ezekiel Elliott months ago about how I would use the fourth pick on him and everybody was yelling at me for it. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of guy I am. I like to go against the grain a little bit, think outside the box. With that being said, you know, J.J. Wilcox, I did not like J.J. Wilcox last year. I was very, very critical of him. However, there is a lot of ten- potential in that man, and I think that's something that we tend to forget, is that coming into the last two seasons, a lot of us were really excited to see what you can get out of him because he's shown the ability to make a big play. He's shown freak athletic ability, and I think a lot of us remember him in college as a running back, and we were excited to see with some time what he could develop into as a safety so I am not completely giving up on that. Um, I did like Tony Jefferson from Arizona and um, as a box safety kind of guy. And I think there is a position for J.J. Wilcox where you can play him closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, where he will be able to hit people very hard and make some plays, but not get killed in routes, um, pursuit routes, which is where he's been really, really bad, is when he's your last line of defense. He does not make that tackle. So I think you can get something out of him, and I'd like to see what he can look like after some more development. I'm not as as sold on the idea as you are, but, I mean, I'm a really nice person. I think that comes across on Twitter. And so I'm not ready to, like, totally give up on him. I, I will say that I'm more excited about the tandem of Byron Jones and Barry Church than anything that includes J.J. Wilcox. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, you know, we, we talked about a ton on InsideTheStar.com when Terrence Mitchell got that pick against the Jets, how it was the first you know, picked by a Cowboys corner since Orlando Skandrick picked off Jay Cutler in Chicago in 2014. But people forget that between, you know, those two interceptions, there were two interceptions by a Dallas Cowboys defensive back, and they were by J.J. Wilcox against the Colts in 2014 and in Philadelphia in 2015 in the game that, you know, destroyed our lives. But, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, in love with this, but I love you, and so I trust you, and I, I'm willing to. Uh, I'm willing to listen. And, and I will say, I'm not in love with it either. Like, I'm just. This is me thinking outside the box and saying, like, "Hey, let's not forget this guy." Mm-hmm. But I do like. I'm really excited to see Kayvon Frazier as well. Yeah. And 
I mean, I'm not the big. I really, I'm not the biggest Barry Church guy. I think like what the difference between Barry Church and the other two is that I think you know what Barry Church is now. You're not going to get anything new out of him. Whereas J.J. Wilcox, like there still could be something there, and Kayvon Frazier's brand new, so you don't know what's there. I agree. So I like I like that unknown, and I want to see what that unknown is going to do. I agree, and I will say that J.J. Wilcox is the perfect person to wear number 27. Because when I, when I think of 27, I think of like a hard hitter, whether it's a running yes. back or, or yes. a safety. He, he's the perfect guy to wear it, although I kind of would have liked to have seen Zeke in it, to be honest. But, I mean, whatever. Yeah. I don't mind what uh, I don't mind the number he chose. I'm I'm totally okay with it. Don't uh, hopefully he doesn't follow along the path of the former guy that wore that jersey. But uh, let's not get into the doom and gloom section. Now let's get into the game that we're gonna play. And you let's know this is the second game of the RJO show. And you're a really fun, upbeat kind of guy. You're a great Twitter follow uh, at Nick uh, CRSEN, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you're, it's it's really obvious, you know, because of your Pharrell avatar that you're a fun type of dude. And this is, I, I hope, uh, as the creator of it, a fun game. And, you know, you obviously work for a professional sports team. And right now, one of the hottest topics uh, in the sports world is the NBA Finals. We've got the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. Who you got, by the way? I want the Warriors, and I am taking the Warriors. In how many games? <sighs> Oh, that's going to be tough. I, I think it goes a full seven. Wow. Again, yeah. back-to-back seven-game series for the defending champions. That'd be cool. I I, I wouldn't mind. Um, but I think we forget how good LeBron was last year, and he didn't really have anybody helping him. So I think it's going to be really fun to watch him with new people, with, like, actual players helping him. Right, with Kyrie and, and yeah. you know, Love. Yeah, cool. I agree. But so – the sport of basketball, um, I know that you know people listen to this you know, because it's a football show, but I know a thing or two about basketball, and I know how to make a shot. I, uh, I was a three-point maker back in my middle school days. I, same, I, same. I think that's easy to believe, right, Nick? I, I mean, I think that my form uh, was unchallenged. Um, you know, I, uh, living in San Antonio, I love Danny Green because he used to wear number four, which was my number, and green is my favorite color. And he was a three-point shooter like me. And so everything was great because he was my guy. And then he changed his number to 14, and I was so upset. Like, what a jerk Danny Green was. And now I, I have... From, my, from, like, where I live, kind of. Yeah. And, I mean, so, and like, your, your initials, NC. That's where you went to school, North Carolina, right? Yes. Well, his high school was kind of by me. He went, like, maybe 15 minutes away from my house. Well. I mean, enough about enough with my diatribe on Danny Green because <laughs> my my wounds aren't haven't healed yet. But when I would shoot threes, obviously you want to make a swish, right? Like that's the goal in basketball. Yeah, and so you know when you're on the 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 street where I ball out because that's you know I'm a street baller. You know they they call that nothing but net, right? You know, yes. and you walk. That's how Steph Curry drains threes. And so I thought with basketball being in the air, we would play a game called nothing but net. Now, obviously, when you make a swish, it's nothing but net, and it's the sweetest sounding sound that there is in basketball. But mm. if you're like the teammates that I had to carry in middle school, you shoot shots that don't even touch the rim, that literally fall in front of the rim and like w- kiss the front of the net. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. And did you ever like? Was there ever that one kid in your class who'd be like, "Oh, I hit nothing but net," you know, even though he didn't like make the shot at all? Yeah, yeah, you, you always have those guys. Exactly. So that's where the, the term nothing but net comes from. It's literally just a question and answer game. And if you get it right, you made it in the net. And if you get it wrong, you completely airballed. Um, you know, not the, the most clever thought out game. But 
hey, we're clever. We can make it work, right? Oh, we're going to make it work. All right. So the game is called Nothing But Net. You understand the rules, correct, sir? Absolutely. Now, being that you are on the East Coast, there is a um, a subject that I think you are particularly knowledge about or knowledgeable about, given your uh, neck of the woods. And given the fact that you are a contributor to Inside the Star, you obviously follow the Dallas Cowboys very well. And you know as well as I do that people like to pick on Eli Manning. You know, ourselves included, admittedly. Even here. Right, exactly. So, Eli, in my opinion, you know, obviously the guy has his faults. The guy makes some terrible decisions, some terrible reads. He had the terrible clock management issues in 2015. But I think that we under... I don't want to say underappreciate, but we undervalue him. The guy is... I mean, we got to be honest with ourselves here. He's a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback. Off Super Bowl rings, that helps. Yeah, and so... I wanted to sort of prove that Eli isn't this – I've referred to him as this, like, whimsical, dim-witted idiot. And not saying that those things aren't true when the Cowboys are playing the Giants, but I wanted to prove that Eli is a substantial and competent quarterback in the National Football League. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. It is. That's fair. It's fair to say. Right. So the, the whole premise behind nothing but net is to debunk the whole Eli Manning is garbage theory, where is. As difficult as this is for you today, Nick, we're Eli Manning defenders. Are you okay with this? I'm okay with it. People are going to hate us, but I'm okay with it. Well, you said yourself you're an against-the-grain kind of guy. So it's exact I, kind of guy. Exactly. That's why you're perfect for this. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to present you with a stat line, and I'm going to ask you if it's quarterback A or quarterback B. One of the options will be Eli Manning. You have to tell me whether you believe that that was Eli or the other option I give you that you know had that stat line that given day. Okay. Gotcha. There are nine questions here. What is your goal before we start so that the listeners know if you don't hit it that you failed? Um, I am a kind of person that, like, I want to shoot for the stars. So I'm going to go with seven. Okay, so if you hit seven, you'll be extremely satisfied or you'll be content. Yes. Which one? Those were, that was, those were two options. You can't say yes. Oh, I will be extremely extremely satisfied i will not be happy if i get less than seven okay so seven seven is like a passing grade to you basically yes i hold myself to a high standard okay so i'm gonna totally fall short of it but i hold myself to a high standard i like it it's bold a lot like eli manning is sometimes so <laughs> this is essentially like seven is like a 70 in school and eight is like an 80 and nine so we got a c b and a grading system pretty much on accident and it worked out really well that's how you and i do things um, yes. So, all right, enough jibber-jabber. We're going to get started with nothing but net. Let's now, go. these games are from, you know, one year starting in 2007. We're going to have one game from each season. So the okay. first one was in 2007. And I'm going to give you two options, like I said. Now, both of the options played the team that I'm suggesting that given year. You'll understand in a second. Okay. So, 2007, this game took place in Dallas against the Dallas Cowboys, obviously. The quarterback in question went 28 of 41 for 312 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Now, was that Eli Manning or Tom Brady, who was the league MVP in 2007, went 18-0, and ultimately lost to Eli Manning in Super Bowl 42 that season? Let's see. I am going to go with Eli Manning. How confident are you? One to ten. Seven. Wow. Pretty pretty good. I like it. Well, you got it right. That's one. That's right. Eli right. Manning. That was uh, September September 9th. 
Yeah. September 9th, that was, if you remember, the shootout at Texas Stadium to begin the season on Sunday Night Football. Uh, the Cowboys ultimately winning 45-35. to 35. Tony Romo and Terrell Owens had a big day. Um, and ultimately the Giants lost, but still, 28-41 to 41 for 312 yards and four Only touchdowns. What was that? Only one pick. Impressive. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you had to think about it, right? You're like, man, that, you know, that's, that's tough. I so. did. I did. I didn't think Brady would throw that many times in a game, but I wasn't sure because there are those games where, like, they just completely go with one side of the ball. Absolutely. Okay, so one for one. This game took place in 2008 in the worst city in the world in terms of sports, Philadelphia. So the quarterback in question was 13 of 25 for 131 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception again. Now, was this Eli Manning or Ben Roethlisberger? Hmm. I'm going to go with, you said 13 of 21, right? 13 of 25 for a buck 31, no touchdowns, and one interception. I'm going to go Ben Roethlisberger. Eli's 2004 draft classmate. You sure? Yes. Nick, you are two for two, sir. I'm impressed. Two for two. You are... With myself. You are Steph Curry right now in Nothing But Net on the RJO Show. Okay. Let's go. This next game from 2009 happened at home for the quarterback against the Eagles. So the last game was in Philadelphia. This game was at home against the Eagles. So the quarterback in question went 27 of 38 for 391 yards with three touchdowns and no interceptions. Was this Eli Manning or Tony Romo? At home against the Eagles, 27 of 38, 391 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. Mm, 2009. Cowboys won the division in 2009, if you remember. Yes. Romo's first playoff victory in 2009. Oh, that's tough. I want to think it might have been that week. That was the week they played Philly in week 17, if I remember correctly, and they played Philly in Week 17 and the following week in the Wild Card yeah. Round, back-to-back games uh, yeah. at, at at AT&T Stadium. What was then Cowboys Stadium? I'm still gonna go with Eli, though. You're gonna go with Eli over our savior, Tony Romo. Really? I am because of the attempts once again. All right. I'm not as confident in this one. Nick playing the game using strategy. I really like it. I feel like Jeff Probst right now. I've talked so much about it. I just got into Survivor and I'm trying to emulate him as much as I can. Nick, you are three for three. I'm so proud of you. I'm so relieved. That one was a tough one. Okay. So, you know, but again, like the, the point of the game is to stress, you know, how we, you know, undervalue Eli and, you he know, no, his games. yeah, nobody loves Tony Romo more than you or I. And you're here. You actually picked. Eli to have success against the Eagles over Romo. I mean, granted, granted, you played the game with surrounding details, but still, that's impressive, sir. It counts. It does. All right, three for three. This game took place in 2010, and this is actually a special one. This was a Manning Bowl. So this is Giants in Indianapolis. So you're going to be picking between the Manning brothers here, not Cooper. He's a lawyer. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so the quarter, the Manning in question went 20 of 26 for 255 yards, had three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Eli or Peyton? I'm going to go Peyton. You sure? The accuracy there. 
Okay, so I have to go Peyton. The last question you said you were very, very shaky on it. Are you more confident that this is Peyton than you were the previous question? I'm not extremely confident, but you said it was what 20, 23 of twenty five or something. Twenty three. Twenty of twenty six. Twenty of twenty six. That's still pretty damn accurate. I'm gonna go Peyton. Nick. You are four for four. You oh, are on fire. I'm on fire, man. I'm on fire. I feel good. This is insane. Okay. So you are four for four trying to get to your ultimate goal of, of seven correct questions. Now, there are nine. Now, the fifth one here is special because it's the middle of the, the road. I wanted to make it a little bit special for you. So this one isn't a stat line, more just like a standard trivia question. Okay. In 2011, which is the next year on our list, this quarterback had three games where he threw for 400 or more yards, and those games came against the Seahawks, the Saints, and the Cowboys. Now, was the quarterback who did this Aaron Rodgers, who was the league MVP that season? They went 15-1, and if you remember, before losing to Eli's Giants in the playoffs when Eli went and won Super Bowl Forty Six. Was it Matthew Stafford, who went over 5,000 yards in 2011, or was it Eli Manning? Three games, 400-plus. Against the Seahawks, Saints, and Cowboys in 2011. And again, options here are Aaron Rodgers, league MVP, Matthew Stafford, who topped 5,000 yards, or our favorite New Yorker. Uh, 2011. The Giants won the Super Bowl that year. Correct. Correct. I'm leaning one way, but I'm not feeling confident in it. I, mean, I want to say this was the year. I'm going to go Matthew Stafford. He did go over 5,000 yards this season. So, you know, 400 yards in three but, games but, is likely. This is the game I remember of Detroit and Dallas. Oh, the Bobby Carpenter game that we all yes, remember well. This is the exact – that's what – if. This is what I'm thinking. I'm going to go with Stafford because I hated that game. So you're saying that the quarterback in question here who had three 400-yard games specifically against the Seahawks, Saints, and Cowboys was Matthew Stafford here. Seahawks. I know that I emulated Jeff Probst a minute ago, but now I'm Regis <laughs> Philbin, and so I'm going to give you one final chance. Is this your final answer, Nick? I'm going to, I'm going to, lock, my, I'm going to lock it in. Matthew Stafford? Matthew Stafford. You know, you've been just like Steph Curry and just like their undefeated run ultimately had to end. So did yours. And, and you're wrong. It's it's Eli Manning. It's Eli. It is Eli Manning. Yep. So okay. you missed one, Nick. I mean, I'm really shocked to find out that you're immortal, honestly. I am really upset with myself. I just remember that team being all about defense, that Giants team. But, you know, a broken clock is wrong twice a day, so... Yeah, well, this one was wrong three times. And three, I know. Th- and what's what hurts the most, I think, is that one of those came against the Cowboys. That but, does hurt. But hey, shout out to Rob Ryan. Am I right? So yeah, yeah, he was great. So all right, you are four for five. Still have you know well within reach of your yes. correct seven uh, total. Get here. All, all right, right. there. So, number six. This game came in 2012 in Baltimore. You know, this is this Baltimore Ravens team won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 47. So they go on to win the Super Bowl this season, 2012. The quarterback in question went 14 of 28 for 150 yards, one touchdown, and no interceptions. Was this Eli Manning or Brandon Whedon? Ooh, interesting. A yeah. Whedon sighting. A Whedon. Back in his Cleveland days, his rookie year. 
I'm going to go Whedon. You sure? Yeah, that one touchdown game, that, that just screamed Whedon to me. Well, you are wrong again, Nick. What, you are coming unraveled here. I'm it was dying. Eli. It's not good. Wow. Oh, I feel terrible. Wow. So, Nick, you got a you got a hole out here. You got cuz you've already missed two. You're four for six. I'm in trouble. All right. 2013 in Seattle. Again, playing in the home of what would be the world champions that season. This quarterback went 23 for 38 for 147 yards, one touchdown and no interceptions. Not a shocking stat line for someone against the Legion of Boom in their world championship season. Was this Eli Manning or Drew Brees? How many? What was it? What was the attempts and completions? Twenty-three of thirty-eight for hundred and forty-seven yards and one touchdown with no interceptions. Twenty-three of thirty-eight. This was twenty thirteen, right? Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. I am gonna go with Drew Brees. You are back, Nick. I can't I'm believe back. it. Oh my gosh, that I'm was business. I was so nervous for you. I was I was legitimately holding my breath. <laughs> wow. Yeah. If you remember, that was a Monday night game, this Breeze game, um, and it was I don't remember, I think it was late in the season, like week twelve, week thirteen. It might have been. It's probably after Thanksgiving, and the Saints were hot. The Seahawks were hot. They came in, and the Seahawks just waxed them. I think Martellus Bennett, or Michael Bennett, excuse me, had a fumble return for a touchdown. So, um, but you did it! Wow, did it. the the dream is alive. It Nick. is. This is this is you know this is building up pretty well. This is building up amazingly, kind of like an Eli Manning Super Bowl season. <laughs> um, all right, so you are five of seven. You got two left. You got to make them both. Both, you know, nothing but oh, net. Man. The I right the right way to do this here. So, 2014. Yeah, familiar foe in terms of this game. This game came at home for the quarterback against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the quarterback in question went 20 of 34 for 172 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Was this Eli Manning or Andrew Luck? Okay. It was both against what team? This was at home for the quarterback against the Eagles. So this either took place in New York or in Indianapolis. Okay. And the stat line was? 20 of 34 for 172 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. I have an extra question here. Okay. Was there a rushing touchdown in this game? Uh, Not to my knowledge. These are specifically passing statistics, okay. but not to my knowledge. Okay. But, but that's not yes or no. Okay. I was just I was an Andrew Luck owner that year. Oh. Fantasy. So I remember a lot of his performances. I roughly remember that the game he played them. So and it doesn't sound familiar to that game. I'm gonna go with Eli. You sure? Yes. Nick, I don't wanna tell you the dream is dead, but the dream is dead, man. Oh, I feel so bad. This was Andrew Luck. It was a, a Monday night game against Chip Kelly, which oh, is just man. horrible. Just, oh, I'm sick. I'm I s- feel terrible. I, should have, I shouldn't have shot for such a high number. 
You shouldn't have shot this three with your eyes closed. I mean, jeez. Uh, I'm, I'm like Russell Westbrook in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, it's too soon for that. Um, but, I mean, hey, you know, whatever. Kevin Durant wants to come to San Antonio. It's not too soon. We can make fun of the Thunder all we want. But, yeah, we'll um, New York. Um, but all right, look, you're not going to get to seven. Let's no. be honest. But, you know, if you can get to six, I think the RJO Show Nation will respect you. I mean, they already respect you. I already love you. Yeah, but they'll, I, they'll respect you. They're going to respect me regardless. Right. I demand respect. Exactly. Okay. So this game came last season. We've been moving one game every year. This was last season, and it was in New Orleans. Great city, great team, great stadium, just great overall vibe. Now, the quarterback in question went 30 of 41 for 350 yards, six touchdowns, and no interceptions. Was it Eli Manning or league MVP Cam Newton? Six touchdowns, no interceptions. It was in... New Orleans. In New Orleans. Six touchdowns, no interceptions. I remember this game. I I do remember this game. I was actually watching it at work. That... I'm going to go with Eli. How positive are you? One to ten, once again. I feel pretty good about this one. You are? Who was your fantasy quarterback last I season am. before I, I unveil this? Uh, who was my quarterback? Wasn't oh, was, I had like a crapshoot. It was like Matt Ryan at times. Oh God. Yeah, it was, I, I had a bad season. I actually what? went to the championship, but bad season. Well, whatever. It should have been Eli this day because it was Eli Manning in yeah, his hometown of New Orleans. Didn't they? Did, yeah, they I lost. Well, the end it at the end of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, they lost. The the Giants did, and it was awesome. Uh, if you remember the the plans that I kept writing, friends at the start, this the plan. I forget what uh, iteration of the plan, but it partly hinged on this game because I was actually watching this uh, while tailgating for Cowboys Seahawks, and then after this game, I went in and got my heart broken. Um, you know. But, yeah. Yep. I remember this because then I ended up watching Cowboys Seahawks at work also. Yep. And that was just oh my god! I wanted to cry after that game. Exactly. So. Which do you feel worse about, the Cowboys losing to the Seahawks or not getting to seven? Because you got to six, you know, correct answers here. Oh, I feel way worse about the Cowboys losing to the <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. I would rather have a zero and have the Cowboys win every game than anything in the world. Well, I mean, you didn't, you didn't get zero. Six is respectable. Six I mean, is not bad. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm feeling okay. You, that's two-thirds, 66%. And if, imagine if your three-point percentage was 66%. That would be amazing. Players in the world. Yeah. I mean, so, but what did we learn here, Nick? We learned that, you know, Eli is kind of good, you know? He has his days. Yeah. I mean, Eli is, you know, we can continue to make fun of him just because Eli fits that mold. He's, you know, he's, that's the hero we deserve. But, I mean, the guy deserves some props is all I'm saying. He does. He's a franchise quarterback in a league that doesn't have many. Exactly. I mean, I know you know him uh, very well being, you know, in that market. But, I mean, you know, I'm glad that you are on the right side of things and that you're a Cowboys fan because yes. we, we being, love you. Being a New Yorker and and being a Cowboys fan, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world. And what made me dislike Eli as much as I do is because the same way us Cowboy fans don't give Eli credit, Giants fans do not give Tony Romo credit. Mm. I personally think this – I try to be as unbiased as I can be mm-hmm. usually in everything I do. 
But um, I genuinely think Tony Romo is the better quarterback. But, you know, being here, I promise you to those who listen and all everybody that's over there in Texas, Romo gets no credit over here. And uh, it's kind of sad. So that's kind of what's made me hate Eli Manning. But, you know, I'm being, the unbiased me says he is a franchise quarterback and he's he's done good things over his career. So And you could always count on him playing, too, which is one of the most important things is that he's very, very, very stable. Exactly. I mean, that, and your hope, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I've been there. I've, I've been the Romo defender. I think that's sort of a rite of passage for anyone who really follows the Cowboys closely is you've had, you know, you've argued with people over Tony Romo and his greatness. Mm-hmm. And that's what's made me a little bit empathetic towards Eli and, and how he's treated because I'm just, you know, to, to the general consensus of Cowboys fans, like, hey, guys. Let's not be super hypocritical here because this is the you know the credit we want Tony to get because he deserves it. Well, let's give Eli his due. You know that's that's all I'm saying. You know, let's and we share a lot of the same downfalls. I mean, the, the same things Tony Romo gets criticized for. I think you know Eli gets a lot of the same heat, which is um, interceptions. Even though Romo's interceptions are blown out of proportion. Yeah, and, and I, I think and, it's like the same general idea. It's like you know you'll get the Jordan crying memes. When for, either of them throw an interception, for yeah. sure, and yeah. they they've both been aided in different regards. Eli with the defense, obviously the historically great defenses that won them Super Bowls. But you know, people say Romo's done so much with so little, myself among them. But let's not forget that Romo has a Hall of Fame tight end, and he's had him his entire mm-hmm. career. Eli hasn't had that luxury. I mean, now he's got Odell Beckham and yeah. you know Sterling Shepard and whatever, but he has not had that his yeah. entire career. Um, yeah, and they both had to deal with things like I mean. Early in his career, Romo had no offensive line, and that's kind of what Eli's dealing with now. He has no offensive line. So they both – I think there's a lot of similarities between the both of them. To be for honest. sure. And they, they make – you know, when the two of them play, they make for one of the best games of the season. Oh, they, no. they, those are the best. That's why they always put them in the early game, like one of the first games of the season. They either start or end the season with a Giants game, it feels like. Mm-hmm. And it's always prime time because the people like it. It's always a great game. Yeah, I mean, think, like, can you name the last time the Cowboys and Giants played and it was boring? I, I really, I don't, I don't think I could ever. Um, I can't remember any Giants Cowboys game that is any division game in general. That's okay. Washington games are sometimes boring, but yeah, Cowboys Giants games they always deliver. Yeah, even with with Matt Castle in 2015 in New York was an exciting yeah. game up till the end. Um, but you know, whatever. But yeah, Nick, this was fun, man. You really made nothing but net what I wanted it to be, and I liked it. I knew you would. Uh, mm-hmm. What what closing thoughts do you have? I'll, I'll again open the floor to you. This is this is Nick time. Go for closing it. Closing thoughts. Um, very happy with our roster going into uh, the summer. I feel I feel good about this team. I think um, I think there were a lot of things that most of us would have done differently, mostly with the defensive line, but. Mm-hmm. I see. A, I see what they're trying to do. It's a young team. A lot of guys, you know, fighting for playing time, fighting for careers, and I think that's the best way to build success is to have the right kind of people in the right kind of environment, all hungry to try and outdo each other, and uh, you know, competition breeds success. So I'm a I'm a believer. I feel good about this team. I, I like what's going on. We have options if you know they don't work out. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good. All right, now we'll have you back on at some point, you know, in the summer to to revisit, check check on you, check how your summer life is going, because that's what we care about more than anything. But yeah, before we let you go, give me your, you know, your 
June prediction for the 2016 Cowboys. And if you legitimately believe they're going to win the Super Bowl, I want you to say it. But I want you to give me what you think, you know, this season has in store for them, where their road stops. Uh, I think we're going to be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to win somewhere between 10 and 13 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ezekiel Elliott will easily run, like, actually run away with offensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can expect somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 yards for Zeke. Um, I will say, I, I I don't know, I think we might be entering a fantasy football league together, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah, yeah, with our buddy Marcus. Yes, um, but, you know, I'm I'm not going to hide any secrets from you, but if I first pick, I'm totally taking Zeke, and I don't care. I mean, I'm a receiver. Yeah. So uh, I think this team runs through Zeke. I think we're going to see a complete – I think we're going to see something right out of the 2014 playbook. And, um, yeah, I think we're going to win between 10 and 13 games. We have an easy schedule. And if everybody stays healthy and everything goes well, I think we're going to see a really, really, really fun team this year. Wow. So at least. That's what we want, and that's what you bring us. You, I think you and I together are a fun team. We both cover a really fun team, and your other team I'm on board with to be our, our third really fun team. And also, let's just, you know, right now, just commit to some collusion with the Fantasy Football League. I'm down with that, you know? All right, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, you know, you get Zeke. Maybe you loan me Zeke. You know, like my my birthday is October twentieth, for example. Maybe that week. Borrow him that week. Yeah, not playing me. He's all yours. That's what I like to hear. Nick Cacciaro, you were the man. Uh, Again, contributor for Inside the Star, and you know, one of the best media relations guys in professional sports. I love you, brother. I'm proud to call you a brother. And thanks for playing nothing but net. You made it. You made it fun. No, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to. uh, coming back but uh i had a really good time this was a long time in the making the people were just dying to hear rj and nick for sure together. for sure and we'll we'll pour a little bit out for lucky who couldn't be here because we are the the trio the three best friends yes. that anyone could ever have um exactly but uh but next time so uh yes. thank you thank you nick for coming on we'll see you next time man Pleasure. see you later rj What if I told you there was a way that you could hang out with Patrick Peterson of the Arizona Cardinals, or Todd Gurley of the Los Angeles Rams, or Randall Cobb of the Green Bay Packers? What if I told you that you could catch a pass from Tony Romo, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback? That way exists, the National Fantasy Football Convention. The NFFC is this new, innovative way for football fans to interact with their favorite NFL players. It's like Comic-Con, just for football. It's awesome. You can head on over to GoNFFC.com today and you can register. If you use the promo code ROMO, you'll actually save $25. You need to be there. It's going to be great and you don't want to miss out. I'm going to be there. My good friend Bobby Belt, the host of Cowboys Cast, is going to be there. We want to see you. Come hang out with us. Head on over to GoNFFC.com and register today. Now let's get back to the RJO Show. Oh, and this is crazy. My name is RJ. Oh, yo. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the RJO Show. And that was a really fun time with Nick Cacciaro. Thanks a lot again to him for coming out and for uh, being the nothing but net guinea pig. Nick is a really cool, fun, lighthearted, and unique individual who definitely likes to go against the grain. If you follow him on Twitter, you definitely know that. And you should, and you can, at Nick. That's N-I-C-K-C-R-S-E-N. And uh, like I said, you definitely don't want to miss out on him and all his hot takes and Patrick Robinson love. Uh, but yeah, I hope you guys like Nothing But Net. Let me know what you think. And if you want to play the game at home, I'll, um, well, at this point, you'll already know the answers. But uh, I'll tweet out the questions anyway, and uh, you can play and, and show your friends and your family and, and tell them how much more you know about football than them, which is always fun to do. Um, I thought it was interesting. Like I said, I do think that we undervalue Eli Manning, and I'm very guilty of that myself as a, as a Cowboys fan and as a staff writer for Inside the Star. Um, sometimes I leave my Cowboys goggles on, but I do my best to remain impartial, kind of like Nick was talking about. But, uh, but yeah, it was fun, and hopefully Nothing But Net is something we'll be doing throughout the season with, with different scenarios, but, uh, but Nothing But Net was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see who wins the NBA Finals. But yeah, so moving back to the NFL, because there's a lot to talk about, and um, the Houston Texans, they waived David Quisenberry on Tuesday. Now, you've probably heard this name before, and that's because David has a really uh, well-known story. David was drafted by the Texans in the sixth round of the 2013 draft, and he actually missed that whole first season, his rookie year, with an injured foot. He was put on injured reserve. Um, and in June of 2014, before that season started, Quisenberry was actually diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's T-lymphoblastic lymphoma. Uh, and this whole thing was actually discovered because a Texans trainer found his persistent cough to be kind of fishy. So he got it checked out, and turns out he had that serious illness. He underwent a variety of treatments, um, a lot of them in Houston's MD Anderson Cancer Center. And uh, thank God he went into remission in February of 2015. So last year, he thought he was uh, he was going to get back to his, his football dreams. He'd lost, as you can imagine, a ton of weight, um, you know, through his uh, his cancer, uh, his, his bout with cancer. And he'd put it all back on, and uh, he was actually put on the non-football injury list last season. If you watched Hard Knocks, you remember that moment. Um, and, you know, ultimately the Texans waived him, so... Uh, you know, uh, he's going to have to fight a little bit harder for, for football. And the Texans have kind of put out some some word that if he goes unclaimed, they'll likely pick him back up and put him back on the non-football injury list. But it looks like David Quisenberry's NFL dreams will have to wait at least until 2017 to get going. Um, and while we're on the subject of the Houston Texans, this is just something that I was thinking about. And I, I mean, as you can tell, I, I get some random thoughts like the, the red jersey thing. But we're at a point in the NFL, you know, or with the NFL, I should say, regarding the Houston Texans. And you look at them, they're a really exciting team in 2016. They got, you know, Brock Osweiler, obviously, all the fast, speedy wide receivers and Lamar Miller. Um, and you look at it, though, and Andre Johnson and Arian Foster are both out there. They're both free agents for anyone to claim. I mean, if I had told you. I think even even two years ago that at one point in time that would happen, or that, not even at one point in time, but two years ago I said, hey, in two years, Arian Foster and Andre Johnson will both be out on the streets looking for a new job, and they will they won't be on any team. I think you would have thought that was crazy because of how much they've contributed to the Texans, and I thought that that was an indication at just how much can change in the NFL and how quickly it can happen and, and how much it, it really is a business, and so I, I thought that was interesting. I thought, um, you know, that that I'd share that with you guys because we're all family here. That was the the idea that Nick sort of brought in. Um, 
staying within the AFC, Demarcus Ware, uh, he um, he's absent from Denver Broncos OTAs right now. He's got some back issues that he's working through, probably uh, because he carried Peyton Manning to a Super Bowl 50 title, but, you know, whatever. And, um, it, you know, the Broncos put out word that Demarcus will likely not do on-field work with the Broncos until training camp. So don't expect to see Demarcus Ware doing anything on the field other than, than light things, you know, maybe uh, – cardio type things or whatever he's not going to be doing drills or or rushing the passer but uh but yeah we're going to be rushing out the door right now because it's time to go this is another episode the rjo show in the books episode 16 and if you've made it this far i love you with all of my heart if this is your first episode i love you with all my heart i don't know what i was saying thank you so much for listening to the show if you like the show you should really go subscribe to it on itunes you know rate the show write a review all those things really help. You can check out the show if you're not an iTunes user at rjochoshow.com. We're on Stitcher. Uh, pretty much every major podcast platform you can find us. If you want a link to a specific episode, you can tweet at me, at rjocho, and I'll be sure to hook you up. Uh, make sure you check out all of our great work at insidethestar.com, who sponsors this show. I- I'm serious when I say I know everybody who writes for there, including you know myself, but excluding myself here, not that I don't work hard. I know that these guys are working very hard. They're, they're trying so much to make sure that you guys get the optimum Dallas Cowboys content that you can. And so make sure you're checking out their great work. Um, and uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Cowboys Nation or at Inside the Star DC. Check out Inside the Star online. Make sure you register for the NFFC. Like I told you, I'm going to be there with Bobby Bell. And we want to see you. We want to hang out. We want to have good times. Um, and we'll be doing tons of stuff from there. Cowboys cast articles, tweeting, Snapchat, um, you know, all that crazy stuff. But thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, the summer is here. It's June. And uh, football's coming back. I promise you. We're, we're already inside of 100 days from the NFL season kicking off. Uh, we're about almost 100 days from the first Sunday of the season. But I'm really excited. I'm just so pumped to see uh, what we can do uh, throughout the season here on the RJO Show. Really excited and, and just really grateful and, and thankful that you're listening and, and to be here and to be doing this for you guys. I, I know I say it every week and it's kind of becoming a tradition, but it really and truly is a blast for me. So thank you again. Check out all of our great stuff. Let me know what you think and be on the lookout for the RJO Show trivia where you're giving away stuff. I just want to give you stuff. So check it out and make sure you get the trivia answers right. And we'll be back next week. So as always, go Cowboys and peace out. Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do?